0: In the last uh, 15 or 20 minutes we have left this morning, I want to share with you a little snapshot of what we spent the week at camp talking about. A couple of people have already mentioned the story of reality, and that was our theme. And we broke it into five parts, God, man, Jesus, cross, and resurrection. Um, Lots of people have ideas about how reality works um, a lot of different ideas and what is really true, but they can't all be right. Okay, they can't all be right. Two opposites can't coexist together. Something cannot be both true and false at the same time, right? It's either true or it's false. For example, many people think that all paths or all religions lead to God. And this can't possibly be true because all religions, even if they share some similarities, um, say contradictory things about God and about reality, and I believe by far that the Christian story of reality is the most reasonable and evidential explanation for the way that things really are. In the Christian story, it doesn't begin. A lot of times you hear the gospel starts with Jesus. The Christian story doesn't begin with Jesus died for your sins, but it begins in Genesis one one in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And most worldviews we talked about can Camp fall into three different, three different camps. Either our world and reality was created, it was an accident, or it is just all an illusion. Okay. Um, besides the lack of evidence for the last two, the accident and the illusion, they also face the problem of having no real basis for absolute right and wrong. Um, At Logan Valley, I asked everyone to look around because it was a beautiful place. And I'm not going to say our church is not beautiful, but you're inside a building. It's not as beautiful as Logan Valley. But I want to ask you all to take a moment and imagine one of the most beautiful places you've ever been. For me, it's Zion National Park. Before all of that was here, God was Before the world existed, God did. He has always existed. He is the foundation for everything that we see, everything around us. He is the creator of it. He is, as uh, we talked about at camp, the uncaused first cause. He's the one that caused everything to come into existence. And he is the main character and the focal point of the story of reality that we are in. And it is a reality. Our world, if you look around, it's not an illusion. Okay, this is real. We're not a part of some dream or illusion. We are real. Our world is real. And if you look around, you can see that our world, if you really look at those beautiful places you've been and you look at humans and you look at the earth, you can tell it's not an accident, okay? It's not just a random chance thing that all of this was formed. It was created, and it was wonderfully created. Creation doesn't just scream design. It screams good designer when you look at the way that the world was designed. There is right and there is wrong, and it was created and set by God. And so the story of reality, the story of the universe, the way that it really is, it all starts with God because it's all about him, the one who created everything from nothing. And he is the rightful ruler over his kingdom, which is everything that we can see and all the stuff we can't see. So he's the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. And we are his lawful subjects, and we belong to him. We don't just belong to him, though. We are a special creation that was made for friendship with god genesis 127 says so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them so the bible tells us that god spoke the universe in motion and created things that were good or very good he created the sun and the earth which was good he created plants and animals and they were good and he didn't stop there he created us and said it was very good And while we are not God, we are like him in many ways. We talked about it at Reformation Wednesday last month. God created us to love and to know love just like him. Now, this is a camp thing. We don't do it in church a whole lot, but close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes and think for a moment. Think about a moment when you felt loved, when you felt really loved. And then think for a moment of when you loved someone well. See, God created us for relationship and for love. And he also created us with intrinsic value. You guys can look up, you can listen. Um, You are valuable. If you're here this morning... If you're out there this morning, you are valuable, and your value is far beyond what anyone has ever said to you or can express to you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made, and your value doesn't come from how talented you are, how rich you are, how good-looking you are. It's built into you, and your value exceeds that of anything else in all creation. And at camp, we read in Genesis and in Romans how sin destroyed the relationship that we had with God. We are crazy valuable, but we also are rebellious sinners, and our guilt as sinners against a holy and righteous God demands punishment. We rejected God, the one who loved us and created us, and the punishment for that is death. There's absolutely no hope for us to make up for our bad deeds by doing good deeds, and that leaves us in a bad spot that we can't get out of on our own. But God because of his great love for us, sent someone to rescue us. Who was that? Jesus. Now, a lot of people will say um, that Jesus, if you're talking to unbelievers, um, that Jesus was a good moral teacher or a wise rabbi. And he was both of those things, but that's not all. If you actually read what Jesus said, there is no way that you can just come to that conclusion. Okay? Jesus claims... To have existed before the beginning of time. He claims to be God in the flesh. He claims that the only way to heaven is through him. There's no other way to get to heaven. So you really only have three options regarding Jesus. Either he was a liar, a lunatic, or God. Or put another way, he was mad, bad, or God. If he was a crazy person who said he was God, but he wasn't, why would anyone listen to him? This guy is saying he's God and that he's the only way to get to heaven. Well, if you don't believe that, then why are you going to believe the rest of the stuff? He's crazy. Or maybe he was just a person lying about being God. But if he's lying, why would you listen to him? But if he was God, we better listen, right? And I will submit to you that Jesus proved himself to be God by the works he did here on earth, by the prophecies he fulfilled, and by raising himself from the dead and so Jesus came here to earth, and he lived a life completely free from sin. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what is a ransom? It is a price paid to purchase a hostage or a slave. And he pays the ransom for those held hostage and enslaved by sin. That was us, sinners, rebels, rich and poor. And the price he paid, he buys bodies by surrendering, surrendering his own body. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, like we talked about. That's, that's the, the price there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus, who is free from sin and innocent, he paid our penalty for us with his life, dying a death on a cross. And the cross was the most brutal and humiliating form of execution that has ever existed. It was designed for maximum shame and pain, and Jesus went willingly for us. So why did this happen? If God is good and if God is just, which he is, sin has to be punished. A God who looks at evil with indifference is not a loving God. Jesus took our place for us. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also died for sins once for all, the just, which is Jesus, for the unjust, us, so that he might bring us to God. And so to, in order to appreciate good news a lot of times, um, you have to hear the bad news first. And the bad news is that, as I've already said, we cannot earn our salvation. The good news is that Jesus earned it for us on our behalf, and he freely hands out salvation by trusting him for it. This is what the Christian story means by faith, the word faith. Because the word faith gets a bad rap today. People associate faith with blind faith, like some shot in the dark or believing something without any evidence. That's not what we mean by faith in Christianity. Um, The Christian concept of faith is not blind, it's not empty. In our story, careful thinking and evidence do matter. Our faith, our trust, is something we know to be true, and we can look at the evidence for the resurrection and be very confident that it did indeed happen. Jesus really died. Jesus really rose again. And um, Sarah, was it Sarah that shared about this? I think it was. Um, This is where words start to really matter because there's a big difference in believing that belief and believing in faith. So Sarah shared about the zip line. I might believe that something is true, but if I never rely on that truth for a moment, then it doesn't do anything for me. I could believe that Tylenol will get rid of my headache, but if I don't take the Tylenol, it doesn't do me any good, right? I could also believe with all my heart that exercising will help me lose weight, but if I don't exercise, it's not going to help me right? So I can believe that something works without believing in it. And what we have faith in matters a lot. It does no good to have faith in Jesus if he won't save you, right? Faith itself does not save. Jesus saves us through faith. Christianity isn't really based on faith at all. It's based on a person that we put our faith in, and that person is Jesus, and we have to trust in him. And something happens when we decide to trust in Jesus. It changes our loyalties. We understand who Jesus is and what he did and trust him. Our minds change and our hearts change, and then our motives and our activities start to change. And this is what is known as repentance. It's known as a 180, but it is really trust in the deepest sense, not just trust for something, but trust in someone. Trust enough to follow faithfully in spite of inconvenience. Repentance involves a change in direction. You're turning from a life of selfishness and you're turning from a life of self-centeredness in which you or other things are the center of your life to where God is the center and you and everything else is under him. And this Jesus that we're talking about putting our trust in, he was a real person in history. Every serious scholar, even atheist scholars, agree that Jesus existed. Okay, He wasn't made up. The vast majority of scholars also agree to four facts of history about Jesus. Number one, Jesus died on a Roman cross on Friday and was buried in a tomb. Number two, the tomb was empty Sunday morning. Number three numerous witnesses testified at great peril to themselves, it cost many of them their lives, that they saw Jesus alive multiple times after he died and that they met with him and even ate with him. And number four, even the skeptic James, the brother of Jesus who didn't believe in Jesus while he was alive, and the mortal enemy of Christians, Saul of Tarsus, were convinced that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead and they both willingly died Instead of recanting, James was stoned and Paul was beheaded. So, the most probable explanation is that Jesus rose from the dead as the Bible says that he did. He showed his power by raising from the dead, as it says in Romans chapter 1. And I encourage each of you this morning, if you have not, to turn to Jesus and put your trust in him. One day we are all going to die, and after that we're going to face judgment. The guilty will not escape. They will go on and face God's justice. An eternal God has been sinned against, and the punishment will be eternal in a place called hell, and it will be horrible. Those who have trusted in Christ will stand before God as well, and if it were not for Jesus, we would face that same punishment. But God will see that our guilt has already been paid for by the blood of his son Jesus. We will stand forgiven. And because of God's justice, there's no requirement for him to show mercy. No one is owed forgiveness, just like a criminal is not owed a pardon. So the story, our story's solution to the problem of evil is this. Perfect justice for evildoers, perfect mercy for the repentant, evil banished forever, and everlasting good restored. When we who have trusted in Christ die and gain our resurrected bodies, we will be completely pure. No guilt no feeling feeling of dirtiness no pain or moral brokenness no shame no feelings of inferiority even the deepest pain that we experience in this life is going to shrink down to nothing in the light of eternity when everything is good and perfect and pure there's going to be no more sinners no more sin and None, there will be none of the negatives that now destroy even the best of friendships. Who's lost like a really good friendship over some sin? Yeah, it happens. That's not going to happen anymore. If you've ever had one of those feelings or experiences where you see or hear or taste something so beautiful that you're just overwhelmed, and brought to a point of tears, that's God giving you like a little tiny taste of what heaven is going to be like. And it is a beautiful thing to look forward to. So as we close today, the story of reality can be summarized as this. God, the creator of the universe, in order to rescue man from punishment for his rebellion, came to earth and took on humanity in Jesus, the Savior, to die on a cross and rise from the dead, so that in the final resurrection, those who receive his mercy will enjoy a wonderful friendship with their sovereign Lord, in the kind of perfect world their hearts have always yearned for. So if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, this is your story. And if you're not a Christian, it's also your story, because it's not a fairy tale. This is the story of the way things really are. So you have two choices. Everyone has two choices. You can bend your knee to God, and beg for mercy because of Christ, and be accepted into his family as a son or a daughter, or you can reject the gift and stand alone in the final judgment and pay for your own crimes against God. So I want to invite you this morning to accept your pardon and turn to follow Jesus if you've not done so, because this isn't just like a story I'm telling. It is a true story. It is the true story. It's the story of reality. Let's pray. God, we thank you for an awesome week at camp. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to rescue us. We pray that for anyone here who has not trusted in you and received the gift of salvation, God, we ask that you would open their eyes and their hearts right now to their need for you. We ask that they would trust you today. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you want to trust in Jesus for salvation, you can tell him right where you're sitting. Don't just believe that he is real. You have to believe in him. Thank him, trust him, and give him your life. I'm going to give anyone here that wants to do that just a moment. If anyone did that this morning, could you raise your hand just so I could pray for you? I'd love to talk to you afterwards. God, we thank you again. We thank you so much for all you have done for us and how well you love us. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and you would help us to walk out what you have revealed to us. Um, Help all the campers and the staff who are at camp this week to walk out what you have shown us um, to be obedient. Please bless our fellowship with one another today. Um, Go with us. Help us to shine brightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.